Three Podcast, and you're the most welcome. In this episode of the Doctor Who Podcast, we savages will be resuming our continued education with the fourth Doctor Audios. one and all and welcome to episode 141 of the Doctor Who podcast. Yes I'm back after a month or so. I haven't been able to join anyone in the camper van really for what about four weeks. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit rusty today gents. Nothing new there then James. <laughs> I knew I could rely on you for support and a big welcome back with open arms. Thank you Lisa and thank you Trevor. Um, that <laughs> intro in case you're wondering was from my daughter. She's three and a half years old, and she kind of says, you are most welcome the minute you say, this is the Doctor Who podcast. So I've begun her education, very much the same way the fourth Doctor has Leela's. Oh, bless. Indoctrination. Yeah, she's got no chance, really, has she? I mean, some people introduce their kids to sport from a really early age. Uh, I've seen my nephew, for instance, he's he's had an Arsenal football kit ever since he was nine months. And to be honest with you, the, the poor guy's got no chance whatsoever. At least my daughter will grow up watching you know, a thoughtful, carefully well-constructed programme. Uh, either that or she'll hate it from about the age of five. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. But at least you'll be able to sell that Dalek you've given her on eBay anyway. <laughs> well, I've got about 36 Daleks now. Um, my wife is convinced that they're breeding and um, I'm, I'm putting them in, you know, more and more subtle places around the house. But uh, but Natasha's, she started giving Daleks names, which I know Russell T Davies did in the Cult of Scarrow and everything. But he didn't call them Daisy or Maisie, did he? You know, and I, I think they are quite good Dalek names, basically. Doctor Who and Dalek Daisy. Now that's a fantastic title for an episode. I've often worried about this because I have a young son. There's lots of Daleks around the house, and I'm worried that am I am I stripping them of all their you know the terror by having them as just um, you know the usual things that are kicking around the house. It depends where you put them. <laughs> it really depends where you put them. If if you like have them sitting right beside their face when they wake up in the morning, and that's the first thing they see, that scares the bejesus out of them. They love it. <laughs> Okay, guys, let's let's talk about what we're supposed to be talking about today, and that's to take a look at the second, third, and fourth regular story in the new Fourth Doctor and Leela Big Finish audio range. It's Saturday night tea time in 1977 all over again. The Fourth Doctor Adventures. The Doctor and Miss Leela. Hello there. Doctor, is it? I'm Reginald Harcourt, and this is the collection. What is this a collection of? It's a collection of everything. And what a remarkable gallery. Is that an Edward Johnson? Oh, so many paintings. Do you handle that revolver like an expert? I fired one at a dragon. Why are there spaces? That's because I haven't collected them yet. This place is wrong. We should leave. I do not like this noisy world. All these places. Reaching the TARDIS has to be our first priority. There they are! 
Leela, run! More flying machines! Measure test. Run! Over here! Leela! It seems the doctor's not cooperating. Nurse, prepare for surgery. How does it feel not being the cleverest man in the room? I wouldn't know. How does it feel? Doctor Who, the Renaissance man. Well, you know, it was wonderful to reunite with Tom Baker. I love Tom Baker. He loves me. We had a beautiful few first dates. It was fantastic. We went out. We enjoyed each other's company. It was fantastic. But then, lately, I kind of feel a little bit shortchanged by Mr Baker. We've had some very, very short dates, some very, very brief encounters, and I'm really wondering whether my love affair with Tom Baker can continue or not. There doesn't seem to be the passion there anymore. There doesn't seem to be the, the, the fire in his belly. I'm wondering what you gents think. I'm very surprised to hear you say that, Trev, uh, because uh, from where I'm standing and listening, uh, I think Tom has uh, more fire in his belly and more, um, more affection and more zest for the role than, than he's had since perhaps his first couple of seasons. Well, that, that may be, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering because, you know, we, we've, we've only met a few times um, briefly on the last few occasions, and, and the first of them was the Renaissance Man. And it, it continued, I mean, I mean, it kind of started a very worrying trend of having these very, very brief encounters with the Doctor and Leela. Oh. Two episodes long. We cannot possibly, we can't talk about the episode duration again. Look, live with it. They're two episodes long. What's the story like? <laughs> I'm going to talk about the, the, the short durations because I really like the, uh, the hour-long episodes. Um, I, th- I think they, they seem to be working really well. I did feel disappointed when, when I first realised that that was going to be the format for, this, for the Tom Baker series. Uh, but they've done it before with the Eighth Doctor Adventures and I think they work really well. I mean, I've, I'm an exponent of the, of the hour-long episode for TV. I, I think that extra 15 minutes is... You can tell so much more. You can expand so much more with those 15 minutes. Uh, and some of the big finish range are far too long. Two and a half hours um, of, of material. There's far too much going on. Um, you can't listen to it in a, in a tiny little um, you know, hop to work, a commute. I'm really rather enjoying the, um, the tiny tidbits of Tom Baker. Uh, they, leave me, they leave me wanting more. That aside, that, that, uh, that aside, I mean, I'm, I'm on board with um, that sort of thing, but... I've always viewed, especially when they do these sort of stories that fit into different eras of Doctor Who, like Tom Baker is doing stories that presumably would fit into around season 13, 14, 15 of his run when he was with Leela during the televised series in the 70s. Well, no, this, this, this continues directly on from the previous audio. The first in this series followed on directly from Talons. So we know exactly where it's placed, yeah. But I'm, I'm a really big fan of Big Finish recreating the era now for me recreating the era is not giving us um three two-part stories tom baker had remind me gentlemen how many two-part stories is it in his entire televised run how many one 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 and that was in season 12 I'm, i'm not really understanding why we're getting so many short um, Doctor Who stories with Tom Baker and Leela in them because I don't think they suit the era. Because he's nearly 80 years old, the guy is not going to be able to do a run of of four stories or four episodes, you know, for, for 
12 or 13, I think, stories they've recorded now. I mean, it's take what we can get. I mean, the episode length, the episode duration is utterly pointless and I think it's incidental completely. For me, it's, it's just listening to the characters, listening to the stories. These are some of the best stories that Big Finish have come up with for a very, very long time. And to get hung up on the format, I mean, just, just reinsert a uh, closing title theme 15 minutes into each episode if it really bothers you that much. But, I mean, I can't <laughs> believe that we're discussing episode duration or the number of episodes as the very, very first thing when we're reviewing these. I really can't. All, all I'll say to round this off, James, is is I agree with you to a certain extent. We shouldn't be getting hung up on episode duration. But I think the three stories we're going to talk about today, Renaissance Man, Wrath of the Iceni, and Energy of the Daleks, have a fantastic story creeping out from the edges of them that would have been so wonderful in a normal four-part story. Um, I, I felt really cheated by the end of all of these stories that we weren't getting a proper fleshed out four episode um, story for these things. I mean, Renaissance man was a perfect example for me. I, I, I thought it could have easily expanded out to the four part format. I, I Maybe, maybe they could have done it as a six parter, but as far as I was concerned, it worked really, really well in the, in the hour format. I mean, the, the interplay between the fourth doctor and leader is absolutely perfect. Louise Jameson, I think is, it's, it's slightly closer to the characters she played on television than, than Tom Baker. But uh, as, as far as I can see, this is, this is a slightly, different story to the one that we may get on tv uh, if you're looking for comparisons in terms of storyline then i think Ghostlight is the closest that you can come to it it's, it's all about collecting knowledge with the main protagonist's aim of learning everything there is to know and i i just thought it was wonderful as i said the, the, the two-part thing doesn't bother me in the slightest i could listen to one episode on the way to work and one on the way back and i've got an entire story done in one day and I'd much rather have a variety of different feeling stories than a smaller number of longer stories where they can only go into one or two different um, story types. So as far as I'm concerned, Renaissance Man was brilliant. It's the best of these three that we're going to be talking about for me today. I thought the performances were fantastic. Wonderful to hear Ian McNeese in a, in a role that's not Winston Churchill for once. And uh, I... I just thought it was great. I mean, Justin Richards, Lisa, and you talked to him uh, about him uh, a little bit on the book episodes uh, that, we, that we recently recorded. Justin Richards has definitely got his feet well and truly in the book world as opposed to the audio. He's, he's been very hit and miss where it comes to audio. But uh, I don't know if you remember back in, back in the 90s when these books were coming out, there, there was a huge debate in fandom. Was it going to be a, a, a traditional book or was it going to be a radical book? And there was this trad versus rad argument all the time. And whenever you saw a book coming out that was authored by Justin Richards, you knew it was going to be a trad. <laughs> it was going to be a traditional story. And it's interesting to see how Justin Richards has actually moved away from that slightly. Yes, it's very true to the original feel of the Fourth Doctor and Leela relationship, but this story is, is anything but straightforward and traditional. Um, it is a little bit timey why I mean, it is a little bit ethereal in nature. And, and as far as I'm concerned, it was, it was brilliant, littered with some fantastic lines uh, that were given to Leela. Uh, I mean, the runny science man, for instance, had me laughing for ages. Is that what we really want, though? I mean, I mean, I mean I'm, 
I mean, if someone said to you that Tom Baker was going to be returning to Big Finish, would you be then happy, without knowing the stories we're going to review today, would you be happy to know that they were going to all be two-parters? But for, for me, I agree with you wholeheartedly with the story. I agree with you wholeheartedly with the interplay between Tom Baker and Louise Jameson. They're, they're, they're like they're back in the 70s again. But for me, not knowing the running time of each story and then getting to the second half and finding them so rushed, so tied up so quickly, no, no, I, 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 I was no, left... No, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely I've, got, I've got to disagree These... there. They don't, they don't feel rushed. They don't... In in my head, they feel expansive. When I when I think back, uh, the, my memory of the Renaissance man is huge and expansive. And there's it's it's not about how many ideas you've got, or and how many, it's not about the length. It's not <laughs> it's not about the length. It's about how many ideas you've got. It's about uh, how well they're executed. Um, and if you've got four episodes. Sometimes there's a tendency to have too many things going on, avenues that aren't explored properly, things that aren't tied up well enough. And I think what certainly in the, in the case of the Renaissance Man, there are just enough ideas, well executed, well told. It's a wonderful, mysterious, enigmatic story that unfolds beautifully and doesn't outstay its welcome. You are both sounding like people who have, I won't say indoctrinated, that's... That's a terrible word, but have become used to the way the new series delivers stories, and I don't think that. No, nope, absolutely no, complete because completely wrong, completely wrong. I think if, if anyone's indoctrinated in this conversation, it's got to be you because you're expecting precisely what was but delivered in the classic series. Isn't that what we are series. supposed to be getting? Now, I mean, we've, Tom we've, Baker sits there and goes, "Oh, it's Saturday tea time in 1977. It. Doctor Who's on again. We are supposed to be getting stories that emulate the era. We are not meant." <laughs> to be getting new stories are. that are fast we, we paced are. like they are there's like i said there's some fantastic ideas in the renaissance man but everything just gets moved along at such a quick pace it is not a story reminiscent of the fourth doctor era i'm sorry it is not i disagree i think there are plenty of big finished stories out there with fewer ideas that drag on for four episodes and not only that big finish episodes have never been restricted to the 25 minute format sometimes they go on for half an hour in the early days they went on for 40 minutes you know the number of episodes is utterly incidental they knew these stories were going to be written as two-parters the authors have written them as two-parters and as far as this listener is concerned anyway there is no way that these ideas feel rushed they are delivered perfectly i have absolutely no issue whatsoever with these stories in fact, I would say that the four stories that we've got so far in, in this two-part range are the best that Big Finish have delivered for many, many years. It oh, is good extremely Lord. strong stuff. Remember, there's death in the family in the last couple of years, James. Are we going to be putting the yep. rushed Renaissance man, Wrath of the Iceni and Energy of the Daleks above death in the family? I think it's a completely different thing. Uh, and Death in the Family doesn't emulate the TV series either. And it in no way resembles the McCoy era because the episodes, once again, are 35 minutes long. And it's, it's just a really good story. And as far as I'm concerned, the benchmark for me as to whether it's a good story or not is it's what the story is like. How does the era feel? Is it authentic? And just for a few minutes each episode, that for me doesn't throw me out and thinking, oh, this is nothing like the original era. It, it's such a non argument as far as i'm concerned you know that the length of an episode it does it work and for me for me and i realize this is purely a personal thing 
they work really, really well. Well, I, I think for me, the, the one thing about when we have these stories that emulate an era, and we can even go as far as talking about the Colin Baker missing stories and the Sylvester McCoy missing stories, that they strive to represent an era from which they may have perhaps in an alternate universe originally been part of. And that's the way I think of these Tom Baker audios as being, or I would like them to be, that we're getting stories that should seamlessly integrate into the era that they're trying to emulate or continue upon from. And Big Finish are trying to do so many things to not only emulate the era, but expand upon it, like with the whole um, education of the savage thing, which runs with this entire audio range. Um, that it really does stick in my craw when, for me personally, they rush through things so quickly. Um, I loved a lot of the ideas in The Renaissance Man, but I think by the time we got to part two, they had to start browbeating you with the message of the story very, very quickly and repeatedly to make sure you got it before the 25 minutes ran out. Now, for me, I think, for, for me, I think if it became a four-part story, that it would show what the Tom Baker era is really like for all its flaws, for all its negativity, for all the things that people don't like about the Tom Baker era, but I think still need to be reflected in a big Finnish audio trying to emulate that era. Would you really want three, four-part stories instead of six, two-part stories? Yes. Oh, I... Yes. Because when I, cause, cause when I sit down with Tom Baker returning to Doctor Who after goodness knows how many years in a real... Doctor Who story. No, no, I, yes, I expect the era to be emulated both in its positives and its negatives. I, I think yes. you'd be sitting here complaining about the number of episodes. You see, I agree with you for the most part, but when I look at the two-part story that is in the Tom Baker era and the, the Sontaran experiment, the story at its essence is a very simple one. It's a very quick one. It's almost a sidestep in that whole... Uh, a Nerva era of um, season 12. But when I look at the stories that yeah, Big but, Finish have tackled with these incredible writers, um, no, I, I think I'm if you, if they crying were to replicate... out for more story. I don't want it to be over quickly. I mean, I, I, I hate coming here... That, no, that is a good thing. It's not a good thing, because if I'm sitting at the end of the story well, saying, I'm crying out for more character development, I'm crying out for more story... But Big Finish isn't giving me that. They're not giving me what the Tom Baker era is. Then that makes me come across as negative because I don't like the story. But I think it's also a very positive thing because I think we've got such talented writers working on Big Finish Doctor Who these days that that they could write a four-part story that, that would be enthralling. That's, that's not completely true. See, I think Big Finish do do a good job at, at recreating the era with the, with the lost stories and... And with those, they are fairly strict, even down to some of the music they use sometimes, uh, making them sound and feel, and including the length, seem like they are of that era. But this isn't what these are. These, these are new Fourth Doctor stories. So you listen to pretty much anything right from the outset. The very first Sixth Doctor play was The Whisper of Terrors. Um, that's got nothing in common with the era that you saw on television. So I, I just don't buy the fact that Big Finish just replicate. If they were to just replicate, then I think their market and their appeal will be extremely short. They need to develop 
pretty much the format, the stories, the way the stories are told, what the Doctors do. And the thing is, it works. They've got that balance so right in the Fourth Doctor. He is so recognisably the Fourth Doctor. And yet it's not limited to what we saw on television. And and for me, it's it's a really positive thing. And I, and I think... I'm all on board with them developing the two characters. What they've done with Leela, you know, taming the savage, educating the savage is something that they've picked up on from the classic era and run with in this audio range and for the most part i think that works really well but again it's all over too quickly is that your only criticism of these these plays it's just the length it's it's in in the case of the renaissance man which i think we're loosely reviewing here at the moment um (laughs) i wonder why (laughs) um it 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 probably is one of my only criticisms yes because i i felt it too rushed um i've will say I didn't walk into these audios knowing they were two-parters. I try not to know the length. I try to judge them as independently as possible. Okay, well, and, they're all two-parters. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and I know that them. now. <laughs> I know that now, and that's yeah. why I came away at the end of every story bitterly disappointed because there was, again, that fantastic story picking out from underneath. Were you bitterly disappointed or just left wanting more? Well, they're, they're one and the same thing. I, I was disappointed because I wanted more, yes. Well, the next play we're going to be reviewing today is Wrath of the Iceni, which takes the Doctor and Leela back to a, a very early stage of um, Britain's history, around the time of the Roman occupation of Britain. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, The Fourth Doctor Adventures. We are our stories. We are our songs, our dances. There are those who would say we tell our tales, but they are wrong. Our tales tell us. Why are we here? Your continued education. What's the point of a time machine if you don't use it? Hmm? Oh, the gods preserve us! You cowards! Think you can simply run away? You serve Queen Boudicca now, as do I. From this day forth, you shall tell her fortune, or I shall put you to the torture myself. If I want you to learn about your ancestors, better to do it in person, not skulk about in museums. You should make peace with your false gods. You will be seeing them soon enough. Are you first, witch? When I am gone, my children will sing of me. They will sing of Boudicca, of Leela, and of the Doctor. Let them begin. Doctor Who, The Wrath of the Iceni. Yes, and interesting that this story uh, is is a pure historical, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, hadn't been done since the days of the first Doctor. I went into this knowing it was a pure historical and was quite nervous as to how it would work. It's not something that uh, the Tom Baker era is known for. It's a new avenue, and it worked really well. Uh, I liked liked seeing... um, the consequences, the non-science fiction consequences of arriving at a very important part uh, in, in, a, in a, a country's history and the dilemma as to whether you can, I suppose it's fixed points in time, isn't it? Can you interfere? Can, and it was wonderful to see Leela um, meeting up with, a, with an iconic warrior queen. 
Mm. I mean, it, it kind of plugs into both classic and new who if, if you want it to. And I think given it's John Dorney who wrote this, I think it's quite deliberate uh, that you think of these stories. I mean, it, it re-examines the argument put quite clearly in the Aztecs, I think. Uh, do, do, do you change you know, what is part of Earth's history. And and given the Aztecs never really resolves that question, because, of course, wherever the Doctor and his companions end up, it's always going to be part of some planet's history, even if it, from the viewer's point of view, it's the future. And I don't really think it's, it's, it's answered here either but the um the dialogue that goes on once again between a doctor and and leela is riveting and that's one thing that john dorney is excellent at at doing i mean if you listen to a couple of his other big finish plays uh, the one that really springs to mind um is one that he he starred in that was farewell great macedon he's he's just excellent at creating concise really compelling dialogue and exchanges between characters and and that worked really really well and um, the part of new who it clearly plugs into also is the fires of pompeii where the doctor spends some time musing uh, about whether or not he can save one person as opposed to letting a whole load die would it really have that bigger consequence and, and and really that flies in the face of the argument he made very clearly to barbara in the aztecs um, and, but it's interesting, you know, Doctor Who knows it conflicts itself continually. And I like the fact that both sides of the argument are looked at in this story. And um, as far as I can see, you know, lots lots of dialogue. Um, what Leeson was saying earlier was was quite correct. Sometimes historicals are difficult to access, but almost the setting was secondary here. Yes, it's all accurate. Yes, it's all based on fact and so on. But the real story is is the drama that unfolds between Bragna and um and the doctor and Leela and I, I love the way it starts and I love the way it ends with small monologues from you know guest stars I I, I really like this one mm. I I found um this was the first time I was starting to doubt the the characterization of Leela um I I thought it was an interesting story I I thought having a pure historical story was fantastic it's something that Doctor Who doesn't do enough of despite the fact that it's a time travel story, that it can do these sort of things any time it wants. But I found the way Leela acted incredibly inconsistent throughout the entire, again, two episodes of this story. Um, uh, she sides with Bodicea at one point because she finds what she is doing is just and right, that she is trying to reclaim her homeland for her people. And for a, a, a character like Leela, that seemed to be the right thing to do. So she is brought into incredible direct conflict with the doctor's opinion about we shouldn't be doing anything we should be observers we cannot affect this particular point in time but then later she does an incredible backflip where it seems she wasn't um, acting honorably with Bodicea she was actually there just so she could get the doctor and herself out of trouble so for for me I'm, I'm, I, unless you guys can explain it otherwise I, I found her motivations incredibly inconsistent in this story. At one point, she is acting honourably. Then the other point, it's no, she wasn't acting honourably. She was it, 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 it was all a farce, so she could get out of the situation. Yeah, it, she, she, she changed her mind halfway through. Um, I mean, I think to start with, and, and I thought I was going to agree with you, I have to admit, I, I found the, the only weakness of this play I, I did find was, was Leela's, and it was the character and the way she was written. Uh, I, I felt it was because... She would never just leave the doctor. I don't believe, given their short time together, mm. um, or you know, he was wasn't 
very long into their relationship, but I still don't buy the fact that she would genuinely up and leave. Uh, I, I found that a little hard to to accept. But I think to start with, she was utterly convinced by Boudicca's um, argument. Uh, she found out about what had allegedly happened. Yeah. And she she, she genuinely yeah. left the doctor. Halfway through, when, when she started to get to know uh, Boudicca and how her thought processes worked, and she realised that she wasn't fighting nobly, her cause was pretty much bloodlust. She changed her mind. So she then had to think, how yeah. do I liberate the doctor? So that's why she, she'd already made her decision to release him. So then she thought, well, I can't just run away. I need to convince Boudicca uh, of my allegiance. And then she went back, had that conversation in a tent with a, with a doctor, which didn't mean anything. The doctor actually said afterwards, I don't listen to a word she says. I take notice of what she does. Mm-hmm. And that's when the doctor, when Leela gave the doctor her knife. So for me, it works. It did go well. And it, it, it's a good development arc for Leela. But the, the big question mark for me is, would she really have left the Doctor, no matter what? Did she really have that little faith in him in, in terms of what's, what he was doing? I suppose for me it comes down to two things. Um, when Leela says that she pledges to someone, which she did to Boudicca, that she should follow through with it. She is an honourable woman. And it also yeah, depends... Yeah, but a pledge made in ignorance is, is not worth anything. That's, but that's a line from where the Doctor. We are talking from an, an intelligent, reasoned point of view. We are not talking from <coughs> Leela's point of view. Leela is a savage. Leela is instinctual. She makes a pledge to someone. I think she should follow through with it. But, uh, again, I think it's the way we probably think about Boudicca. I mean, you, you're saying that maybe Boudicca isn't or wasn't just in her cause, that, that she was following a bloodlust. For me, talking from my point of view, I, I think she was perfectly just in opposing the Roman occupation of her homeland. So that's, that's, that's where our opinion differs, so I suppose that's where we yeah. approach Leela's characterisation in this story differently. Well, I think, I mean, the, 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 the point of this story for me was that um, this, is, this is almost like sort of a midpoint culmination of, of Leela's education. Uh, the doctor is is educating her. He's teaching her how to um, uh, how to assess situations rationally and how to make your own decisions and how to ask questions. Uh, it's all part of her education, and she does that childlike thing of of running before you can walk. She sees this situation. She says, "Okay, you've been educating me. You've been showing me how to be a reasoned uh, human being," and she makes what she thinks is is a reasoned decision based on that. Um, on what little of her new education she's had. And she jumps in feet first and realises later on that she's, she's perhaps made a mistake. Uh, I, th- I, I thought, for me, that was the kernel of the story. It, was, yeah. it, was, uh, yeah. it was a character running before they could walk. And again, I think it comes down to the way we think of this period of history, the way we... The, I mean, it really comes down to our own moral values because, I mean, one of my core values, if I might paraphrase, is to thine own self be true. And to me, when Leela did her backflip, that win against one of my core values that if you're not going to be true to yourself then what's the point of being just or right or honorable at all so well, i thought i thought she thought if she followed through on her pledge then she wouldn't have been true to herself that's that's the point because she made this commitment based on one side of the story when the longer she stayed there the more she questions the basis on which she'd pledged her allegiance. And, and I think it's true to the character of Leela to change her mind when she thinks, well, I'm, I'm, the reason I'm dedicating myself to you is because I believed you were honourable. Actually, I no longer believe that's true. She's hardly going to continue 
Uh, I, I just don't think that would be would be true for for Lila. No, I suppose to me, I, I it, it was unclear in the audio as to what point that decision either began or was made, because for me, when we even begin this story, or even when we know about the Leela Doctor relationship, we know that Leela is devoted is um, committed to the Doctor. She believes him to be an honourable man. She believes him to be a man that knows what is right. Then when she made the decision to go against him, I thought, well, there must be a really damn good reason why she's doing this. Um, So I I was happy to go along with it. I I, I was happy for this characterisation change. For, for, For me, it then became difficult for me to work out where her loyalties lay at any point within the audio, it, it, it was hard for me to figure out. I think it was very, very clear. The point at which she changed her mind was when she was having that discussion with um, with Boudicca, where Boudicca was quite happy to take no prisoners, to kill old people, to kill children and women, uh, those who'd surrendered. And Lila was saying, these are not the actions of an honourable woman. Uh, these are. She was seeing the other side to the argument, uh, which she hadn't been presented with when she'd... Um, when she devoted herself to, to, to Boudicca. And I think that was a very clear watershed when she thought, right, I need to extricate myself from this situation now and I should have trusted the Doctor. And I think that by the end of the story, the relationship that Lila and the Doctor have is notably stronger because she has gone away from him and then she returned to him at the end. So I, I think it works. <laughs> So, on to the next Tom Baker audio from Big Finish, uh, and we get the return of the Pepper Pots. Okay, sir. Our readings show you are now in the airlock. Please confirm. Energy of the Daleks. You are under arrest. Keep away from me. I have no quarrel with you. Do not resist arrest. The beginning of cultural collapse. And it's about to get worse, thanks to your friend Damien Stevens. Chronon particles detected! What are you up to, you Daleks? What is it that you hope to achieve? Answer the question! Answer! 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 You will not force me to speak! How many of you inside that thing, then? Just me and the Doctor. Doctor? Hello, yes, that's me. How are you feeling? It's written by Nick Briggs, and the Doctor and Leela find themselves in the middle of London at a time of a new energy crisis, keeping it all grounded in current events. Uh, and I was very, very excited, and the anticipation was, was raw in the air as I downloaded this one. I was very, very, very keen to hear the fourth Doctor come up against the Daleks again. And I was bitterly disappointed. See, the rest of these, uh, to me, have felt like they have really gone to town. They have sat down uh, and they have gone, this is our chance to bring the fourth Doctor back. Uh, and they've done a sterling job. They've taken it in slightly new directions. They've, they've kept the original feel of, of the era, as far as I'm concerned. And I was expecting lots of this, but there was nothing. It was just a Dalek runaround, standard Dalek plot. Oh, I, I don't disagree with you completely uh, um, I, I think it was certainly the most disappointing of the three that I listened to but in, in terms of why I think I probably differ from you um, I, I, I don't mind having a fourth Doctor Dalek story that doesn't break the mould hugely mainly because this is the first time Leela's met the Daleks and I, I wouldn't want anything to be revolutionary about that I, I think 
the character deserves her her Dalek story in the same way the others the others um, receive those back in the day. But she doesn't deserve but this one. On the whole, I. I <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps not, but I, I wouldn't have said it's the worst Dalek story, either on television or on Big Finish, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think the big disappointment for me is the way Briggs has written it. And uh, the, the more Nicholas Briggs writes audios, um, the more I think he tries to emulate Russell T. Davis. And I, I think that became really apparent during the conclusion of the Lucy Miller and Eighth Doctor stories, because we just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, emotion underpinned everything uh, as opposed to the plot as far as I was concerned I mean the sci-fi setting turns out to be completely incidental and, and I think the same is true here um, a, a lot of the characters interact in a very typical way for a Nick Briggs story they're quite comedic they're quite grounded but nothing out of the out of the mold if you know what i mean there was nothing groundbreaking here uh, I, I think tom baker got some some great comedy lines uh, for some reason every time he called uh, one of the characters jack <laughs> it just just made me <laughs> laugh i don't know why mm. and i have a feeling that tom baker probably did that about 12 times and i expect that he had lived <laughs> most of those probably 11 of them um, but but again, the performances were good. Uh, I, I really liked um, Mark Benton uh, again. Clive from from Rose, uh, very obvious it was him as well because he's got such a distinctive voice. And, and I think one of the best uses of, of Robo Men I've heard because Robo Men are pretty boring characters really, uh, and yet they actually had a bit of menace here. They were presented as a basic private police yeah, force. Yeah. And, mm. uh, and it was menacing. Um, the, the thing that really irritated me, and this may not necessarily have registered uh, for you, Trev, because I think there's a huge thing here about UK politics. And this is the first time I've, I've seen Nick Briggs' political colours come through one of his, um, one of his scripts. And uh, as Lisa alluded to earlier, it's all about energy crises and government manipulating uh, cost and people dying in their homes because of fuel pop- fuel poverty and it, it just didn't feel right in all honesty it, it felt as though Briggs was trying to, to to get a message through and I hate these stories that try and get the, the Jerry Springer message <laughs> through in some way and uh, for me, for me, that was probably the the single most disappointing thing about the play. To be honest, I have read a review or two that has mentioned this propensity for trying to shoehorn in modern events to it. But for for me, I sort of got the, uh, I suppose, a Thatcher era feel to this story, which kind of works with my idea that they're trying to emulate the era it comes from. The energy crisis seemed to try and talk about the crisis that seemed to be enveloping the Thatcher era in, in every way, shape or form, you know, certainly from an Aussie perspective. For me, it was great to have the Roboman in it, merely to hear Tom Baker say Roboman. Uh, it, it absolutely beautiful. It, it was fantastic. Um, it was fantastic to get look. It was fantastic to get Leela facing the Daleks. You know, I, I think she calls them cone-shaped um, monsters at some point or some weird thing like that. I mean, it was great to have that savage-type look at what the Daleks really are from uh, Leela's perspective. Um, leaving aside the whole too short type of thing, I think. You kind of alluded to the fact that the Robo-Men are there, James, as a sort of replacement for the Daleks. The Even though that we know the Daleks are going to be in it... No, no I didn't. Well, <laughs> even though we know the Daleks are going to be in it, they don't really appear for very much of the story. 
and we have the robo moment there as as a replacement for them to a certain extent. Um, despite the fact that Energy of the Daleks is probably the worst title for a Dalek story I've ever heard, and there's mm-hmm. some pretty stiff competition, believe you me. Um, at the end of the day, I wondered why the Daleks were there, really. I mean, it, it, it could have been any sort of generic monster slash villain slash evil genius trying to take over the Earth or destroy it or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, are we just using them to get the Daleks into the series or are they actually there for a real reason? Well, this, this, was, this was originally slated to be the... It was the first uh, audio they recorded. This was for Tom's first ret- um, uh, attempt at returning to the role. Uh, and, and you don't notice in his performance. But the reason it was moved from being the first story they released to the fourth um, was because there was already another... Dalek story slated um, to come out by Big Finish. It was one of the Sixth Doctor, The Curse of Davros, uh, and they said that they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to have them competing. And I suspect that the reason that uh, Nick Briggs didn't want to have them competing is because Curse of Davros was fabulous. Absolutely, it was. <laughs> and oh no, I will take huge issue with you on that one. We get to review that one properly on the show, but I thought it was appalling. Oh, oh <laughs> no, terrible play. Absolutely well, wonderful I... new way of using the Daleks. Whereas this, um, and uh, Nick Briggs said that um, Tom Baker never really got a, a standard Dalek story because um, there was always um, Davros involved. Uh, and I quite like that about the Tom Baker Dalek stories. Genesis is not a big Dalek story, but it's one of the most um, revered by fandom, even though you haven't got marauding Daleks. That's another thing that annoys me, that you know, people like Nick Briggs say, well, you know, we have to have a Tom Baker story without Davros, when every story, the, the two stories that we have with the Daleks in the Baker era have Davros in them somewhere. So it's what the era is about. It's the same yeah. thing with the Fifth Doctor era. It's the same thing with the Sixth Doctor era. It's the same thing with the Seventh Doctor era. Nah, Davros I'm, I'm... is a part of those eras. And to try and remove them for some, I don't know, sort of fanboy type feel, to, to me is just wrong. And I'm perfectly happy for them to try new things and, and to, to go to areas that the, the, the TV series didn't. I don't, I don't want them just uh, repeating ad nauseum the things that have been previously done and sticking rigidly to, oh, we've got to have Davros because Davros is in that era. I just don't think this was a very successful attempt at giving Tom Baker his first uh, solo Dalek story. And as for the Robo-Men, they have got to be the worst, the worst villains to try and realise on audio because, oh... <laughs> Because they don't sound very menacing. They, <laughs> they actually sound quite embarrassing. Oh, but they, they had something to do. They had something to do here, I think. I mean, I think the voices are pretty much the same from, from 60s Doctor Who. And yes, I think it, it's clear that Nick Briggs is a big fan of, of the early Dalek stories because all of his Dalek stories, you know, draw things from, from that era rather than the later one. Um, but uh, I, I think the... Inclusion or absence of of Davros from anyone's Dalek story is neither here nor there anymore because I think there will be uh, a Dalek story with the Fourth Doctor and Davros in the same way there is for all of the other Doctors. There's with Davros and without without Davros, and without doubt there are two different kinds of stories to be told because the Daleks themselves can be hugely inventive without Davros and that certainly didn't get showcased from Tom Baker onwards on television. I think that's been addressed now in the new series uh, because Davros made quite a late entrance, if you like. But um, I, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. But I, I do think the story itself suffered a little bit just from not having 
not not having a certain something. Um, it, it, it's strange because the the feel I got listening to this story was much more in line with the Peter Cushing films Daleks as opposed to the classic, which is really weird because I can't explain it properly. Uh, but maybe maybe it's because it's linked to Dalek Invasion of Earth where you get to see a future version of London. Uh, we're seeing that or we're seeing what leads up to the events we see in Dalek Invasion of Earth. I Maybe it's because the villain, not the villains, the um, the energy people, Mark Benton's character uh, and his partner were a little bit wooden, perhaps. You know, I not not in the way they were performed, but the way that they were drawn or or, or crafted. I don't think the characters had that much depth to them. It's I just can't help feeling that there was a political motivation here from the writer, as opposed to a real desire to give Leela an exciting runaround Dalek story because they do exist. You can still get runaround stories that are fun to listen to and fun to watch. You can't run around in two episodes. Oh, you can run around in two episodes, but you've got to be talking at the same time, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so, as James... You're uh, doing this on purpose. No, now, I'm not. Right? James, as, as you say, it's, it's no, a you are. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's my major crawl with these stories. If you, if you say two episodes again, I'm hanging up. <laughs> To go back to, to the idea of, of depth, and the problem for me with, with this one is, is that the, the plot didn't have enough depth, the, the Dalek plot certainly didn't have enough depth, the, the character uh, progression, there was, no, there was no depth there. It was, it was, it was my first disappointment in the, in the new Tom Baker range, because I, I pretty much um, all of the other ones I, I have loved. There's ones that I like better than others but this was the this is my first disappointment and it will be a long time before i i reappraise it and, and re-listen and you know maybe i'll i'll hear something i didn't hear before but I, I doubt it if you haven't sampled any of the tom baker audios my advice leeson fisher's advice is don't start with this one well after that heated uh, opinion, one might call it, of those uh, three stories from the uh, Tom Baker Big Finish range. I think that might be it for another episode of the Doctor Who Podcast. Just a few housekeeping matters before we go. Make sure you send in your questions uh, for the next quiz, which is coming up very, very soon, to Tom at the com. He's quiz master for the next one, so he's looking forward to uh, getting some really devilish questions to confound myself uh, Lisa and James, I'm I'm sure we're all looking forward to that, aren't we, guys? Uh, can't wait. <laughs> we are. I'm sure I heard gritted teeth there, but anyway, we we will move on. <laughs> and don't forget to enter the uh, quiz that uh, Lisa put forward in the last episode uh, for a copy of Hollow Earth from John and Carol Barrowman, and uh, you can win a copy of that uh, wonderful little book. So get your entries in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Indeed, and we'll be drawing that competition quite soon, I think. So, so make certain that you get your entries in fairly quick if you're only listening to this now. Next time on the Doctor Who podcast, it's just Trev and I, and we're going to be going through the mailbag. You've been absolutely prolific in, in sending us feedback, so it, it was really good just to sit down and listen to some of the recordings that you've been, been sending us. And I wonder, Trev, are we going to argue as much next time around? Uh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure there'll be tons of feedback that'll be way too short and should be at least twice as long <laughs> well should we make that particular podcast a two-parter i think we should because we should be emulating the era from which it comes from the era which we're, we're going to be creating 
when we record. Oh dear, oh dear. We'll also talk a little bit about the uh, the Channel 4 reality show Get Your House in Order, which was recorded, or part of it was recorded, at the Big Blue Box convention that Ian and I attended back in January. So lots to look forward to in episode 142. Speaking of getting your house in order, I think I need to get mine in order and uh, feed my children. The Doctor Who podcast, Starving Children. <laughs> <laughs> Donate now. Feedback at the com. Until next time, cheerio. That bye bye was too short, Leeson. <laughs> it's not about length. Bye bye, all. See you next week. <laughs> Look forward to talking to you again. That was the exact length it should be. Catch up with you all very, very soon. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at the Doctor Who Podcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs> we can put that on the CD cover. <laughs> I think that's good. Don't start with this one. <laughs> As heartily unendorsed by Leeson Fisher. <laughs> that that was even Nick Briggs's decision. He this this was slated to be the first one they started with, and even he decided that you shouldn't start with this one. Uh, and... <laughs> Don't listen to this one.